You're listening to Tech Nest, the PropTech Podcast. In each episode, you'll hear from PropTech founders, investors, and industry veterans on how they're using tech to change the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. Discover market opportunities, interesting data, growth tactics, and trends driving the industry forward. This isn't just another podcast about making money in real estate. This is about how we live. And now your host, Nate Smoyer. All right, today we're talking about investing in short-term rentals. Let me just hit you with this. Short-term rentals have potential to generate 70% or higher revenue than long-term rentals. You know, those that have like a, a 12-month lease or longer but the long-term category on the leading platform for short-term vacation rentals, Airbnb, is up tremendously, according to the company, 24%. And part of this is in due to the rise of digital nomadic life. And you know, you have traveling nurses, people um, making more time to travel as the pandemic has uh, almost forced people to reevaluate what they value and how they want to go about life experiences. I've got George Aldecoa. He's the He's the president of Realpha. Realpha is building the investing platform, not the management platform, the investing platform. It enables its members to simplify wealth creation opportunities through investments like vacation homes. So vacation homes, uh, short-term rentals, you know, that kind of, that whole category is a tremendously fast-growing category and with good reason. And we get into what Realpha is building, including their proprietary AI-driven algorithm called the Realpha Brain. And so there's more than just syndicating deals involved here. There's a whole tech component of how they recognize and evaluate deals. We also talk a little bit about some of the fund innovation uh, and Realpha offering or going through the process to have a Reg A offering what that means and why that was important to them. And last but not least, of course, we have to get into the viral marketing. Uh, You know, some companies have really found a way to get attention. And if you're one of those startups thinking, I've got to go viral, how do I get mass attention for my brand? How do I build awareness quickly? Realpha has done it. It's a very unique approach. And George is going to break it all down for you. Let's jump right in. Hey, George, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you on here, and uh, I think it's been a little while. We've been trying to pull this together, but I'm excited we finally got it done. 2023, new year, new me. I think that's the that's the way it goes. Do you have do you uh, do you go through the goal setting where you're like, okay, new year, got to have new goals, new things, or challenge? Do you do you go through that at all? Always, you know, personally and professionally, it's always about kind of resetting the stage. What is it? Uh, you know, where do you want to go in 2023? Where did you end up in 2022 and, and how did you do compared to kind of your initial goal setting? I think that's a, a very important process just uh, personally and professionally. So absolutely. Yeah. Do, you have, do you have any uh, like one, one or two like goals or challenges you've set for yourself this year that you're willing to share? You know, for myself, they're more personal, more uh, family, uh, kid related, you know, kind of how my general approach um, so nothing too specific from that standpoint, um, yeah. from a professional standpoint though, I will say that, uh, our goal is to exceed 
our uh, our initial plan of 275 homes for uh, 2023. There it is. We're jumping right into it. So <laughs> why don't we go ahead and uh, we got to give some details as to what you're talking about here, George. Yeah. So as we always do on the show, please introduce yourself. Let everyone know who you are and what you do. So my name is George Aldecoa. I am president of Rialfa Homes. Um, I am a, a little bit about me. I am a licensed real estate broker. I've been in the space for over 15 years. Um, started out doing a, a lot of commercial and also a lot of uh, residential aggregation after, after the crash in 2008. Um, a lot of long-term single-family rentals, things of that nature, um, helped Invitation Homes deploy a billion dollars in the South Florida region back in 2013 through 2014. That's where I really got uh, got my feet wet with uh, institutional acquisitions and scaling and aggregation. Mm-hmm. And, and really since then was really in that space, really driving a lot of the activity with different different large investors groups uh, really in and around that single family rental world mm-hmm. um, most recently was a, was with a group called transcendent where I uh, developed the property management platform and acquisition process uh, to go out and acquire newly constructed single family homes throughout uh, the southeast United States and uh, it was during that time that I learned about uh, Rialfa and and this uh, th- this mission to democratize the short term rental space, which really hit me on on two fronts. One, I love the concept of democratizing a space, and what do we mean by that? Really, it's you know it's breaking down these barriers to entry for the average investor. You know, you want to go out, you want to buy real estate. Mm-hmm. It's expensive. You've got to have, you know, a 20, 25% down payment. You've got to have the know-how. You've got to know where to find the financing. Who's going to manage it? Um, a lot of challenging aspects for the average investor. So we really wanted to, you know, break that space open. And, you know, being a tech company first and foremost, we developed a platform that will allow us to basically syndicate out fractionally um, shares of assets that we own. And what are these assets that we're owning? Well, it's residential assets that we're operating in the short-term rental space. And that's that second component to me that was just so exciting. You know, you look at what uh, the growth of the the short-term rental space, the Airbnbs over the past decade, and it's been exponential. You really take a look at, you know, post-pandemic and people really looking for experiences. The, The growth in this industry has been astronomical right now it's a 1.2 trillion dollar industry globally mm-hmm. and if you look at you know demand over the last couple of years i'll give you a couple you know light stats uh demand uh, since 2019 has risen uh, 30.8% and since last year year over year it's risen wow. 17% um, wow yeah. And that's even with people trying to uh, have you mow the lawn and uh, drain the pool before you check out. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's <laughs> it's that experience. <laughs> it's uh, People are looking for it. They don't just want a, a box with a bed in it. They want to be able to set up shop. They want to be yeah. able to experience, to live, to stay a little longer than a couple days, which is such a – there's such a big shift now when you're seeing this remote work and, and these different types of – 
of traveling nurses and different aspects of different industries mm-hmm. that, that are also looking for this type of space. They don't want to just stay at an extended stay Marriott. Yeah. So your, your previous experience, so this is kind of cool because you not, you're not a founder of Rialpa, but you're coming in and, and now leading the company and driving it forward. Obviously, drawing on some of your experience, you mentioned you know working with companies such as Invitation Homes. Well, I wanted to talk about that a little bit because your experience in deploying you know a large amount of uh, capital to acquire it at you know to some degree scale. You know, what, what is OA? Oh my gosh, it was like twelve years ago, <laughs> at least, right? Twelve, yeah. fourteen years ago, right? Yeah. The way it was done then is different than the way it was done now. I mean, even even back then, you, you didn't have, you know, quote-unquote, tech-enabled property management companies. So, like, even to maintain, like, manage that portfolio would have been massively more uh, complicated because of how do you keep systems between all the different mom-and-pop shops that you're having to partner with across different counties? And, you know, how do you get the accounting systems? Because you're essentially working with, you know, localized accounting companies to report back up and to make sure that the investment makes sense. What are you drawing from that experience to now improve and really build upon what you're doing today, considering how much has changed? Yeah. You know, you, you really hit the nail on the head on, on several aspects. And one of the most challenging components of acquiring and aggregating, you know, these scattered sites, let's call them, whether you're doing them as short-term or long-term rentals, is how do you manage them? How do you track them? And and definitely uh, come from the school of hard knocks, um, being being a pioneer in that world. Um, it really comes down to, you know, setting your processes, having them having the partners in place, having a process in place, and leveraging your technology to yeah. to really set up a system. Um, the, the guys that got that early on, the guys that were able to effectively manage the process from executing a contract to onboarding are the mm-hmm. ones that were able to scale quicker, faster, and stronger. Yeah, yeah. So l- let's talk about uh, specifically where you guys right now are focusing on your efforts. Where are you buying? Where are you seeing yeah. as, hey, this is where we want to take the company and where we see some opportunity to invest right now. Yeah. Well, I want to piggyback a little bit off of um, the the last statement on the tech and and kind of circle back to us being a tech company first, Mm. uh, first and foremost. One of the things that we did to help aid this acquisition process as to where do we go, what do we buy, how do we do it is we built uh, an artificial intelligence. We call it uh, the Rialpha Brain. And this brain will go out and it will score based on 28 different attributes. It will score an asset, everything from walkability to school scores to Mm. um, restaurants, distance to airports. What would this rent on a long-term rental standpoint? What's population growth been? And it gives the property a score. Um, We also then... Um, through this AI, we'll do a performa on on this property, and and it's a very detailed performa, getting to the de- getting down as detailed as what municipality, what county is this in, so that we know what the millage rates are if we're calculating things like property taxes. And the whole point of this is to not make our acquisition decisions, but it's to help us filter out and keep a more consolidated bucket of what we're actually looking at. 
and and this tool is really making it making us more efficient in mm-hmm. in actually what we're able to and what we're doing in, in terms of acquiring these assets. And uh, to follow up in that, where are we looking? The Sunbelt states are, we really like the Sunbelt states where you've seen a lot of growth, a lot of migration. You know, your Florida, uh, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, but even parts of Tennessee and parts of California and Arizona um, are attractive to us. Yeah. A- anywhere where you've got a, a warmer winter, it sounds like, yeah. is going to be. Now, I know I said pre show put South Dakota on your radar. You know, we have a real summer here. I don't think people realize that. We have, it actually gets like 90 degrees up this way. That's pretty warm. It it, it was negative 22 weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there is that. But with a good coat and a decent fireplace, you know, there, there's nothing that can't solve there. So the Rialfa brain, let, let's talk about this a little bit. Because AI, I, AI right now is, is having a moment. And it's, I think a lot of it from like a broad, uh, very high level perspective, right? The, the, the chat and GPT tools that have been released, I think has really opened a lot of eyes of like, oh my gosh. Uh, yesterday I did a demo with, with my marketing team. I said, guys, let me show you what prompts can create. And we just started going through it, like creating things. Now, some level of that is true AI. And then I know someone's out there going to tell me like, Nate, that's just a search function. It's just putting together sentences. There's not a whole lot of intelligence there. Walk me through a little bit of like, what, what is it that's making it AI versus, Hey, this isn't just a database that's it's running queries and then like pulling back an answer in a really fast time. Yeah, that's a good question. So when we send a property and and right now we've, we've analyzed probably around 500,000 or so properties through the Rialfa brain. Um, which is um, you know a small number. We're looking to increase it, <laughs> but um, that's a lot know, of properties to analyze, is. though. When you're when we're talking about what you're having to look at, in, in yeah, yeah, it, it is, and we do it because it, for for a couple aspects, and one because it makes the brain smarter. Because once it gets through the actual Rialfa brain, it goes through our human component, which is where it then goes out through our gig economy platform, and real people are then assessing, vetting, reviewing what these scores have come back with validating, you know, some of the aspects that we can't quite get to yet on an AI level. When you're looking at things, when you're physically standing in front of an asset, or you're looking at things from a street view as a person versus a, a machine, that information is then sent back into the AI so that it can create better associations and, and further tighten its algorithms as, as it continues to assess this based on that feedback from that human component. So it's yeah. really a full circle, uh, full circle component. And, and, you know, I think one of the big differentiators, and you see a lot of groups get into trouble with this, at least in, in my opinion, is we don't utilize the technology to solve our problems, make our acquisition decisions. We use the technology as a tool to help us get to a point where we're able to better analyze and make those decisions. It's not making decisions for us. It's helping us get down to what we want to look at. Um, I think that's why some of the Zillows of the world have gotten in trouble. They built this algorithm and relied on that algorithm to make their decisions. And as markets, as economies, as things change, it was not able to, you know, adjust quick enough, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's only going to be as good as it's been programmed to be. And so there is some level. I I wish I would have 
bookmark this, but there was a, I remember reading a, a, a thread, and this was like six months ago, on just AI tools in general. And it's like, you know, it's not that it's necessarily going to eliminate a whole bunch of jobs, but it is going to create a new job, which is the people who edit the AI, the people who audit the results of the AI to make, to understand and know like which direction it's going, if it has biases built into it, you know, that they're unaware of or don't recognize initially, or if it, in the worst case, learns a bias. I think, uh, was it Microsoft that ran that, you know, I think uh, absolutely horrible experiment of a Twitter personality that was totally AI driven. I think it was off the air within like a day or two. It had learned some very unfortunate biases, um, but you know there's obviously so much to be developed there. So, so, so this is this is kind of a little bit behind the scenes is helping you guys with like analyze properties, build up you know a backlog of like okay, here are the ones that really make the cut for us to dig in deeper to. But let's let's kind of jump into a little bit of the fractional piece here, right? So yeah. we're enabling people to invest in these properties. So I'm just gonna we're gonna paint a scenario here. Let's say that. George jumps on a plane, comes out to South Dakota and sees, man, the Black Hills is where it's at, right? We add 50 properties to the Rialfa uh, portfolio. Okay, how does an investor get to participate in that portfolio of properties? Yeah, that's a great question. So let's break it down to just a single property because really, and this is one of the, I think, advantages to what we do too. So we'll go out and, and we'll buy these 50 properties, but but let's look at one property specifically and we'll go out, we'll buy an asset, whether it's been operating as a short-term rental historically, or it's something we are repositioning into a Mm short-term rental. We're going to go in, acquire it, either do some lipstick, light reno, licensing, whatever it may need. Obviously, if it's something we're repositioning, may need a little Mm -hmm. bit more. If it's something that's been operating as such, it may need a refresh, may need our, our touch to, to get into position. We will then start operating that. And then within three to four months or so, we will put it on our platform for syndication where an investor can then browse just on, on their app, can browse through and say, I want to be a fractional owner of this home. And they're going to be able to see that specific home. They're going to be able to mm-hmm. see the projected metrics for that home. They're going to a, and make their purchase, their fractional purchase at an amount that's um, palatable for them and for their, um, you know, for their portfolio. And and in doing so, they're going to get a couple things. They're going to get that, well, A, they're going to get that true pride of ownership because they're going to know, you know, this is the asset that they're invested in. They're going to be able to see it. They're going to be able to visit it. Um, And they're also going to be able to realize um, profits from quarterly dividends and any annual appreciation that comes through that profit from that property or project. George, let me uh, let me pause for just a second here. I'll make a note. We I lost you right after dividends there. Okay, I wasn't sure. Okay, so um, I, I think we got to you know, realize dividends of the the property here. So while we well, I'll, I'll, um, let me let me just prompt with a new question, and that way we'll be able to. Uh, cut right into that um okay so so the 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 investors who are then buying into these properties are they are they getting actual uh and this is where some of the differentiation i think some platforms 
are they buying in a, a piece of that specific property or is it a, of some of the fund? No, that specific property. They get pride of okay. ownership. Um, they get to realize in the profits from that specific property and quarterly dividends, they will be able to visit that property and they'll also be able to uh, participate in profit in any appreciation that's realized over the whole time of that asset as well. Do, does, does an investor get priority with booking to get better, uh, <laughs> better priority at stays or is there, is there like a, uh, you know, almost like a club discount on, you know, so many stays a year per investment and that kind of thing? The way that it's going to work, and we're still working through the final details, but the way that it's going to work is the level of ownership is going to provide a certain number of nights, tokens, so to speak, that you'd be able to utilize to stay in that home or even potentially any other home that we have in our portfolio. Oh, very cool. Yeah. And, and it makes total sense. So I think that was cool. Now, right, now, one more detail here on, on the customer type. Are these accredited or non-accredited investors? So we just completed a Reg A, and we closed that Reg A in December. And that Reg A was allowing um, accredited and non-accredited investors to actually invest into the company side of Realpha, into everything that we're doing, the whole portfolio of properties that we are purchasing and the ownership stake that we would always maintain. When we go to syndicate these properties in the fractional ownership standpoint, it's going to be to regular investors. Got it. Any, it Let does me ask not, you this. It will not only be accredited. Because it's a little bit more work to do that. But why do you think it's necessary to go out and, you know, I mean, that's a retail audience. Yeah. When we talk about going reggae, right? Why go through the effort to go after retail audience? You know the checks that they can write are smaller. Yeah. You know that maybe the, even the frequency at which they can invest is 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 less than maybe uh, you know a larger pool of accredited investors. Why go that route? You know, our mission is to democratize this space, and I don't I don't think we would be executing on that mission if we weren't really allowing and, get, and giving the opportunity for you know the average individual to invest in not only the properties when we start syndicating, but into Realpha itself and into the company. Yeah. Well, let's talk about how you're reaching those retail investors because uh, you guys have some very <laughs> interesting uh, and very creative marketing uh, tactics uh, can you walk me through what you guys have been using for marketing and how you achieved the uh, the viral success that you guys have have seen so far? You know, Christy Curry, our uh, our chief marketing officer, she's uh, she's a rock star. She's really the the brain behind the the marketing strategy. A lot of the uh, a lot of the marketing that you've seen, and really the the deep fake videos that went viral that we did with Elon Musk that. Uh, um, really got so much attention um, that it's uh, really a tribute to, you know, her team and, and what she's doing there and, and the vision that she has for our group. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so those campaigns. So when I, when I first, you know, started digging in, uh, I was told about this Elon Musk commercial. I was like, I'm sorry, there was a what? And so you guys are using deep fake. You're, you're talking about AI as like how you're evaluating you're reaching that retail. I mean, there's like so many crossovers here. And for those who ha haven't seen this, uh, and I'll put I'll put a link to one of the commercials in the show notes on, on the on the TechNest website. But there's a commercial, and it looks like it's Elon Musk. It sounds like it's Elon Musk. 
but it's totally not him. Uh, it, it's just a deep fake. Did, did Elon ever reach out? Did you ever get like comments back, or is it because he's uh, such a public figure that you're able to pull that off and not have to worry about those things? It's gonna. It's generally the latter. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. It was very cool and very creative, and I mean, it, there's no way around it. It will absolutely stop you in your tracks. You have to watch it. Uh, you have to, to pay attention. Uh, I thought about it, you know, as a, as a as a marketer, I was thinking like the. The advertising audiences that you can build on this to retarget, to go back after, you know, if they watch the whole video, now the curiosity, you know, is maximum peaked. They're they're going to check out, get on a sign-up list. Can you talk about any of the results of that other than, you know, I think you guys get, like, coverage across media platforms and millions of views, but, like, you know, what was the, like, end result of, like, wait lists or, you know, inquiries into Realpha? You know, hard to de- be with with as much marketing that we were doing, especially given we were in the midst of the reggae, it's really hard to pinpoint specifically outside of the millions of views mm-hmm. or, you know, articles that were written, specific, you know, videos or, or, or whatnot that, you know, that led to certain results. I think, and really, I think it's the whole message. I think it's it's the whole process of getting us out there, letting people know who we are, letting them feel comfortable about what we're doing, you know, how we're doing it, and getting them to ask the questions. You know, mm-hmm. we, want, we want investors, we want people to be interested, to ask us questions, to say, how can I get involved in this? Because, you know, this is something new and, new and exciting, and, and we're very excited about not only the democratization of this space, but also the short-term rental space. We see it as, you know, as such an area of growth over the next several years. One of the the trends that, you know, I picked up on in talking to other people in this space is that there's been a little bit of a convergence in what, you know, vacation rentals. It covers quite a few different, you know, asset types. Sure, you, you you know, hotels and motels have always been part of that vacation space. But now we have single family rentals. You have some conversions of a small multifamily become, you know, kind of self check in hotel, if you will, type experiences. You know, even now some hotels have totally gone and they're using Airbnb to book. There's one actually in, I can't ever remember where it's at, but it's in Montana somewhere. And I've stayed there twice by accident. The first time I booked it as a hotel, the second time I booked it as an Airbnb. And I was like, man, this thing looks familiar. And I'd never booked a hotel via Airbnb. I was like, I have to do this now because I just, you know, we're road tripping. I'm like, I have to see how this works. And sure enough, it was the same hotel I'd been at. So this is convergence of what that looks like. And to add things to complicate further, you have the the traveling nurses you talked about, like people who are doing extended stays. So Mm -hmm. no longer just two weeks, but it might be like three months. Yeah. How is that affecting your strategy in the assets you're looking at? And how you're thinking about the space and how you want to build out and manage, you know, does it open opportunities or are you picking a lane and deciding to really focus and niche down on that lane while the market opens up and expands? You know, I think there's so much opportunity in this space to really create some standardization. You know, when you think about Mm. when when you think about like a Marriott, you know what you're getting when you get into a Marriott, you know what to expect you know yeah. what, what you're going to feel. When you think Airbnb, when you think short-term rental, that just doesn't exist yet. You know, this it's still in its infancies. And and our one of our missions in aggregating 
these, uh, these short-term rentals is to create that brand name, is to create that experience, that standardization of what to expect in an Airbnb. You know, there's been so much explosive growth in this space that you see a lot of the horror stories, a lot of the, you know, unknowns, you know, people don't know what to expect. Sometimes they're going to have a great stay in an Airbnb. Sometimes they, they won't. The fact is it's a very mom and pop space, very little institutional capital in this space yet, although that's starting to change. And therein lies that, that opportunity. Therein lies that, that, that chance to, to create a brand, to, to then also provide additional services, concierge services, product offerings. I mean, really the sky's the limit once we have that brand in place. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. That's one of the reasons, genuinely myself, I've actually been apprehensive in the last two years to book short-term rentals on my, uh, on my road trips. You know, we do, my wife and I, we, we drive somewhere between like 35 and 40,000 miles a year and just road trip in the country and it's that standardization we've had enough kind of like one-offs that were like this wasn't great you know honestly the days in down the road we know would have been better and uh i I think you're 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 totally right and especially if i'm going if i'm taking if it's a family vacation or if i'm going for several days i want to know hey this is going to be a really good experience not just because it's on a a certain platform where I booked it, but because of the brand or the, you know, the, the you know, brand associated with that rental is going to give me that confidence in that, Hey, this is going to be, you know, that type of experience. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, and, and as this industry continues to grow, it won't just be, you know, right now people refer to them as Airbnbs, but the fact is Airbnb is a mm-hmm. platform. It's one place that you can go and find a short term rental, but, Booking.com, VRBO, and others are coming out there that um, are providing the same offerings. Google's doing it now. Google's doing it too. Yeah. Yeah. Google Google took their flights, which is great for shopping flights. Yeah. And and then they just started doing vacation rentals and hotels, and you can go search various platforms and then get the link directly to the you know the booking platform. And if it's a native platform, sometimes even it just goes right to the the native platform versus one of the uh, the marketplaces where you might find a short-term rental. Exactly. I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, obviously the last few years, a lot of things have really shifted and changed and, and businesses have to been re- remain nimble. Have there been any assumptions that you or, you know, the team in general had about the vacation rental market, even in how you were building out and, you know, uh, running properties through the Realpha brain that turned out wrong? that you guys had about, hey, where this is where it's going, or this is how we should do things, or perhaps an experiment that um, didn't give you the results that you were hoping for that you're willing to share and, and go into a little bit? You know, I, I think the biggest thing that we've really noticed, especially over the last six months, is that even as you've started to see some of the housing side kind of decline, you've seen buying start to slow down, you've seen mortgage rates um shoot up, we're still seeing a a strong demand in the hospitality travel and in this short-term rental space. Mm -hmm. I mean, even just looking for, you know, future, future bookings here, I'll give you a, a a quick, a, uh, a quick insight here. I think it's 12% was the, uh, 
increase in future demand from year over year. Future bookings, even with everything oh, going wow. on in in the current landscape. And this is as of the November um, reports provided in the short-term rental world. Is this What do you think the result of that is? I mean, is this just like, is it consumers not thinking that there's going to be a downturn? Or is this... Are these the same consumers who have been buying homes the last two years? You know, I think it goes to a fundamental shift in experiential experiences. I think people were stunned a lot during the pandemic. Um, they were cooped up. They, you know, what was important to them before ha- has shifted, and, and you know, people are still traveling. You're still seeing a rise in. Uh, in car rentals, in the amount of thoroughfare at the airports. I mean, it's uh, there's still a big increase in hospitality and travel. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I know we feel it in the, in the Black Hills. Uh, so we've been seeing it. I talked to, uh, you know, I've, I've made a good friend with a, uh, a fellow here. He runs a, a vacation rental management business. And so we've been talking. And, you know, his rental has been maintaining 70% occupancy, even into the winter months. Here. And yeah. he's already, you know, they like you talked about, future bookings are up. Yeah. You know, he's already getting, uh, so the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally is the big draw here. You know, you get like half a million people for two weeks coming wow. to the area. For, for perspective, the, the quote-unquote metro area of Rapid City is about 125,000 people. So a half wow. a million people in a, you know, a two-week time period travel in for this, you know, this uh, 10-day rally. And people are already booking for next year. They're already ahead of the game on what they want and where they want to stay. Um, I want to talk a little bit about just the timing here. Obviously, the market has been going up and AI is having its moment. But as, as you sit back and you look at like where you guys are in the market, where you guys are in your maturity as a startup and your product, why is now the key time to be building the Realpha business? I think uh, it's a great question. And I think a lot of what you're seeing in the macroeconomic backdrop and this pause in the acquisition side of uh, just buying and selling just in general, because of what you're seeing with interest rates, you're seeing a lot of people sitting on the sidelines. You're starting to see uh, price declines in certain areas. It's not widespread, but definitely regional. And, And this is this creates an opportunity for us to now be able to leveraging our AI really buy smart uh, because at the end of the day, there's still a six to 8 million unit shortage nationwide, nationwide. And that comes from a, uh, a backlog of not building after the 2008 crash. Yeah. So 2010, 2020, we built half of what we would normally build in a decade. And that's um, truly created a backlog of six to eight million houses throughout the United States. And it's going to take time for that backlog to, uh, to work itself through. So this pause that we're seeing is really related to, you know, interest rates, not demand. Uh, so if we're able to come in now and acquire houses strategically, smart buys, we're really positioning ourselves and our investors for success in the future years. Yeah, and I, 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 t- I think about this a lot. And, I mean, the, one of the challenges with that backlog is like, okay, so let's, let's, let's say interest rates drop and, and, and home builders go full bore. The labor force has shrunk. 
for who is building, like actually building the homes. Like we don't, we don't just have you know robots doing all this work. It's not, you know you can digitize construction as much as you want. Someone is still swinging a hammer, plugging yeah. in electrical boxes, you know, hooking up the services. You know, they got to run the pecs. Insulation's got to get blown in. So there, there's still a significant labor shortage, uh, and that's still only you know that's only going to cover what the products that are getting built, which you know quite frankly has not really been middle market. Like we've been building class A apartments, we've been building larger homes, so it's still leaving a gap in, in the overall market. I think you're totally right, and it's going to put a, a, a squeeze on other places. So able to acquire smartly now, where you have the capital and prices are reflecting interest rates long term that puts you in a a pretty good position as to where you can come out on the other end yeah yeah and and you know one of our big announcements that we made um um, late last year was uh and i think it's one of the largest in the industry but it we secured a 200 million dollar um short-term credit facility to go out and purchase short-term rentals um, through Churchill, and uh, that really gives us the the leverage and the buying power to to be to be able to go out there and scale. Yeah, that's phenomenal, and good on you guys. Congrats on uh, uh, accomplishing that, and you know, obviously, the the big challenge is deploying that and uh, finding those assets uh, to to acquire. But clearly, you've done that before. Uh, so I think you might know a thing or two about how that <laughs> how that works. Yeah. A few times. <laughs> Well, George, we're going to shift a little bit here into the bottom of the show. I'm going to jump into a segment I like to call For the Future. For the Future is when I get to ask each guest who comes on the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Are you ready to play? I'm ready to play. All right, let's do it. Question number one, what does Rialfa look like one year from now? One year from now, we've got 300 units under management um, over, you know, in and around the $200 million mark uh, in terms of AUM and continuing to aggregate. Very cool. Question two, and I know I'm asking you to look into the crystal ball, but we'll have to make a guess here. What metro or region do you think is not talked about enough and is potentially poised for significant growth in the next few years? You know, that is a great question. And I don't think you can limit to one specific area or not. You know, you've seen explosive growth in Florida. I think you're going to continue to. Um, But I think places like Tennessee, in and around some of your places like your Gatlinburg, you've seen it in Nashville. uh, But places like Tennessee are, are going to continue to, I think, be strong. I think your Carolinas, a lot of growth in the Carolinas, and I think you're going to continue to see that. I'm going to throw one out here. I'm going to throw out my own prediction. Okay. What is the newest national park? It's the New River National Park in West Virginia. So the New River Gorge is gorgeous. It's in the West Virginia mountains, but it's not developed yet. It's not established. And uh, it's got some cool downtown areas, um, but it's a national park. And Gatlinburg, the, what really makes Gatlinburg win is its proximity to major metros and accessibility to a large population. Well, West Virginia, it has that similar characteristic and the, the, uh, the, ge- the, the geography, the, the look, the landscape, the feel. It's very similar. 
So I, I, I'm tell, I think West Virginia, put it on your map coming up in the future here. We're going to do it. Um, I'm going to put it on the map. I'm going to watch it closely. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to a year from now getting a tweet. Uh, hey, Nate, thanks for that tip. Here's what we were able to, <laughs> to get done. All right, question number three on For the Future here. What's one industry trend you think will continue but you wish would go away? And what, what, say, say the first part again. What? Yeah, what's one industry trend you think will continue but you wish would go away? Wow, that's uh, that's a good question. I think we're going to see – I think we're still going to see some rates pretty high through the end of this year. We'd love to see them start to settle down, you know, towards the end of the year, initial projections, you know, Q2, Q3 of last year, or that we'd see them really start to stabilize by middle to the end of 23. But I think that that's going to draw out a little bit longer. I think we're going to be living in the land of high rates for uh, a little longer than we initially expected. Oof. I hope you're wrong. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> but we will see. Yeah, that's for sure. All right. Last before the future, what's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of tech advances? That's a good question. I think real estate is one of those industries that it's always going to have that human touch. I don't think there is a component there. I don't think there's a scenario where it's always or goes 100% tech driven. I think that's how you get into issues like uh, the Zillows of the world um, when they did their eye buying. Um, I think it's really going to be how do you use the technology to be smarter and faster? Um, that's, that's it. I think that the, um, for what it's worth, I, I tend to agree with you here, George. And I think that the larger real estate tech and, and prop tech world has seen a significant shift in, you know, in, in vocalizing that. There was a really strong push, you know, not that long ago that the buyer's agent is totally going away. Right. And I think what we've learned in a competitive market is the buyer's agent is your advantage. Is a, is a strategic advantage to have a, yeah. a phenomenal buyer's agent. And I think really what people are learning here is the tech is actually going to help those who are really skillful break apart. Um, and we may just see a decline in the labor force, but it actually emphasizes that on-the-ground role even further. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, these last three questions here for George or for our audience to get to know you just a little bit better. First one, what are you reading? What am I reading? You know, I just finished reading Good to Great. Really? First time? Yeah. First time. Yeah. Okay. Now, I have to. I have a bone to pick here, even though it's it's behind me. It's on the shelf. But there's companies in there that Jim uses as examples of becoming great that, well, don't seem to pass his test anymore. Do you think the book is still valid? You know, I think some of the... Like any piece of literature, I think a lot of the concepts, I think a lot of the messaging, I think a lot of the you know, the thought process behind it is absolutely uh, applicable, but things change. Life changes, technology changes, and how that affects the way businesses interact and what they do and how they grow also changes. The demand of people changes. And yeah. There's just so many aspects. So to... To tie it to a specific company or specific company performance, I think it's a disservice to to really the overall messaging. Fair enough. Number two, who are you learning from? 
Oh, I try to learn from everybody, anybody I interact with. Um, every day, I think there's an opportunity to learn. Open and honest communication when you're out in the world, and it's amazing what you'll experience, what you'll see, and what you'll learn. Last one here for you. What inspires you? Hmm. <laughs> what inspires me? You know, I I like to see people smile. I enjoy I enjoy seeing people smile. I do. Whether it's from a personal business standpoint, I enjoy interacting with people and having those positive interactions, having that positive flow of energy. Yeah, very cool. George, this has been really great. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, I know we had to do a little bit of scheduling jujitsu here to get it nailed done, <laughs> but we made it happen. Uh, before we close out, for those who want to get in touch with you or learn more about Rialfa, where do they go and how do they do that? So they can always go to rialfa.com. Um, from there, that's our website that, um, really tells you a little bit about, uh, you know, who we are, what we are. And if you do want to learn more, get in contact with us, all of our contact information, myself, as well as our founder, Gary, our chief financial officer, Mike, um, all of that information can be found on that website. And we love communicating with, uh, with everybody. Yeah. And, and for everyone else out there, uh, again, you're going to want to go and look up some of the Rialfa commercials on YouTube. Uh, videos that they've put out it 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 will challenge you on how do I get my startup up off the ground and get it some traction uh, as it did to me um, but thank you so much for your time George uh, I look forward to actually meeting in person uh, hopefully uh, some of the events coming up this this year maybe we'll see you around but until then we'll talk to you then thank you for having me it's been a pleasure thanks for listening to TechNest the PropTech Podcast Find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode on technest.io. You can get future episodes delivered to your ears directly by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all other major podcast apps. Follow TechNest on social media to stay up to speed on new developments, resources, and announcements in PropTech. Your support is greatly appreciated. There's two ways you can directly support this podcast. Share episodes you find interesting and then leave a review of the show in the App Store. From Nate and the TechNest team, thanks for listening.